Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 178. Today we're talking the most essential e-commerce plugins for WordPress. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Liquid Web. For years, Liquid Web has been known as a managed WordPress uh, hosting company with tons of options. And recently, they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're running a website that your business depends on, and you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the hosting partner that you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal. This means you can update several sites with a single touch. Now, if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount on your hosting for the next six months. So visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use the code WPTONIC33. All right, now uh, we'll, we got the regular WP Tonic Posse. Here's the, the, the core of the team. I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves uh, for you know, first-time viewers. And we'll start with Jackie, who was in our last episode. Thank you. Um, I'm Jackie D'Elia. I am a web developer based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I am also the host of Rethink.fm which is an exceptional podcast, a forward-thinking podcast for front-end development and WordPress development. Go check it out. Uh, and then we also have Sally. Hi, I'm Sally Getch, uh, the WP fangirl and organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Whoop. What's the, uh, what's the next topic at the East Bay? Uh, we're doing um, Flexbox and CSS Grid. Sweet. Oh, yeah. I would like to go to that. <laughs> yeah, Very timely. So, so, so it's based on my Flexbox presentation from uh, WordCamp Sacramento last year, um, but I'm doing a, a, I'm just starting to work with a Grid, and so eh, I will have a, some basic information on that yet. <laughs> Sounds great. And then also my co-host, Jonathan. Oh, well, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic, so blame this madness on me. Um, I'm based in Reno. Oh, God, the cat's purring. I even got the cats like me, folks. Uh, right. That wasn't me, folks. That's not me, actually. Uh, but please do not email me and say, no, I'm saying like a cat. Uh, um, so I'm based in Reno, and we're your trusted WordPress partner, aren't we, John? Most excellent. And I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, and I do custom WordPress development and local SEO for all those blue-collar businesses trying to get ahead. Uh, before we get into today's main topic, this was a, a pretty decent news week for WordPress, and kind of the, the, the top story of the week, this kind of came uh, out of left field, but uh, Sucuri Security was acquired by GoDaddy. And then following the trend of the previous companies, uh, like Manage WP and WP Curve, uh, they have also been uh, absorbed into the GoDaddy uh, family. So, uh, Jackie, thoughts on this acquisition? Well, first off, it definitely seems like they have a plan, and they are going after key assets to beef up their... WordPress reputation in uh, in the, the space. Uh, I, I definitely think that's that's part of it. I really do. I think that uh, they want to be a player. They want to do better. You know, whether or not that all turns out that way, I guess time will tell. Um, the beauty of mm. our space is it's open source. And if uh, something goes sideways with one, there will be somebody else that pops up and creates something um, equally awesome. So, uh, 
I'm curious though, I, I don't really, I guess, you know, you're not going to know the whole backstory of why that happened. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious why it was, why Securi wanted to sell to GoDaddy and um, maybe what the public reasons and some of the private reasons, they may be different, they may not be. So I think um, for however you feel, GoDaddy is going to be a player in the WordPress space and they're, they're flexing their muscles and buying up things that we all use. So uh, in some ways, you, we're going to have to figure out how to work with that. And, uh, you know, I was, I was in GoDaddy the other day for a client and I was uh, working in the dashboard and doing some things. I noticed it looked a little cleaner and not so cluttered and crazy. And then I was thinking, well, maybe they are making some changes in there. And I'm probably not the expert to ask on that at all because I don't have any hosting with them. I've not, I'm not in there at all. I don't really know what's going on in the inner workings. I use ManageWP uh, and I haven't seen any change in that so far. Um, I don't typically use Securi unless there's an issue for a client. I may have like their free plugin that I'm using in some places. But um, other than that, no. But I definitely think that those, you know, prime WordPress assets that are out there, um, GoDaddy has the money and the muscle to, uh, to bring those into their family. And I think it's just part of the plan. Well, definitely. Those are some, you know, really good statements. And one thing that you said is, is I do have like domains through them and, and a lot of my clients do. Their UI has definitely improved. The, the interface is definitely a lot cleaner um, than it was in years past. Uh, I use GoDaddy Pro uh, to kind of access uh, client accounts. Uh, I don't use ManageWP except on the forum boards, but uh you know, it's it's very interesting because GoDaddy also has SiteLock as part of their family as well. And I guess that Sucuri and SiteLock have been sharing kind of like security information as well uh, to, to try and help each other out. So it'll be very interesting how this is navigated. And um, Sally, I want to ask you something because I've I seen you um, comment this in a forum uh, with the question of, Sucuri is, is kind of a service, but now that they've been acquired by a hosting company, they have existing partnerships with other places like SiteGround and WP Engine where they do scans, uh, malware scans of client sites as, as kind of a value-add service. Uh, and so that begs the question, you know, how it is this going to, you know, affect how they um, deal with other hosting companies going forward? What are your thoughts on this? Well, it, you know, I really wondered about that because, you know, it's a little different from the acquisition of, of managed WP because that was kind of an, an you know, mainly an, an end user uh, product that either, you know, individuals or, or, you know, developers or agencies use this to, you know, keep their client sites up to date and, and, and so on. Um, but that Securi had already had partnerships with a number of companies that are competitors of GoDaddy's. And, you know, I just recently got that email from SiteGround saying that they, you know, started, decided to start using um, Securi for their uh, site scans. And so it's kind of like, okay, that's interesting because it seems like it presents a potential conflict of interest if, you know, a hosting company is using a service owned by a different hosting company. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe everything will be fine. They'll, they'll figure that, you know, these partnerships are, are bringing them income. There's no reason to change how things operate. And maybe, you know, I think it makes the... I think it makes the other hosting companies that are relying on that service more vulnerable. I think though they those situations are probably at more risk than you know if you or or your clients have individual uh, security subscriptions. It most definitely it's an intriguing question. We'll see how some of these WordPress hosting companies deal with it going forward. Something that I want to ask Jonathan is uh, I've seen people like kind of express. Uh, in light of this acquisition that 
if hosting companies, like if all these services get bought up by hosting companies, uh, it will be harmful to the independent developers and, and companies trying to, um, you know, present services that, that maybe are competing. What are your thoughts on this? Does this, if hosting companies buy up like all these companies, is, is it that going to be bad for the ecosystem or the market? Yeah, before I answer that really serious question, I just want to state, I just love you, Go Daddy. Everything I said in the past, I'll take away. You're the best hosting company in the world, and I love you, Go Daddy. And if you want to kill elephants, just, get a, get, just go and do it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, um, <laughs> but get back to the serious question, John. Um, <clears throat> Well, I think, you know, it's a difficult one to answer. The only thing that came to mind when you were asking it is that obviously a company the size of GoDaddy has enormous resources, which is true. You know, it's got enormous financial and other resources. But on the other hand, it's focused as well, isn't it? You know, um, security is important to a hosting company, but it's only one part of many issues so you know um in the end it can only take up so much of the managerial consciousness no matter how important because they've got many important subjects that they're focusing on so can um where uh, a, a smaller company that's really focused on one um, important issue can focus all their attention on that issue so that's the big question can they maintain um, the standards and can they maintain that focus John um, when it comes to um, providing services to other hosting providers like Sally pointed out Obviously, there is a conflict of interest, and I'll be, you know, depends on the contractual basis of those agreements, doesn't it, John? But I would imagine that the other hosting providers that were utilising their services, um, unless the contractual obligation requires them, they will be looking for other solutions in the near future, John. Well, that is something that that is uh, very interesting because I do think there are contractual obligations that Sukuri and uh, the various hosting companies that they provide malware scanning for have. And so I guess it depends hosting companies are, uh, with Sukuri being part of the GoDaddy family. As far as I know, they it looks like they're going to be operating as a separate company, much as Media Temple um, operates as, as, as its own company, even though it's under the GoDaddy umbrella. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Though I wouldn't be surprised if there are competitors uh, in the in the security field that that um, crop up for the 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 people who feel more comfortable uh, using an independent operator. But again, uh, you know, when whenever there is a security problem, uh, whenever somebody's site is hacked, they are the first people that I point people toward uh, to try and solve that. Uh, so that. Kind of brings us to our second news story, which is uh, Pippin Williamson, the uh, founder of Easy Digital Downloads, uh, Pippin's plugins. Uh, he makes a ton of plugins in the space. Recently published an article in which he was explaining uh, why they were rethinking or why they, they kind of changed some of the pricing on some of their plugins. And I thought it was the most illuminating article because, um, as we talked about in, in previous weeks, the biggest cost, uh, the biggest drain of energy and resource in, in any sort of development company seems to be uh, support. And Jackie, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on this article. Yeah, I wrote a comment on it this morning. So I read it over, wanted to think about it a little bit because from my perspective and in my comment, I wrote, you know, I owned a software company for eight years and it was before the internet. So completely different space, time, everything. But I had the same challenges that everybody has that does it today, which is support. And back then it was phone support. There was no email yet. 
Um, there was carbon copy. I could, you know, modem into somebody's computer to upload a file or see something, but it was very um, time-intensive support. Um, I was talking about sustainability in this, that your model, your business model of having something that's sustainable. And in my case, I was, there was a price war going on with my product and another product, and we pretty much were the top two in the space that we were serving US-wide. Um, so I ended up getting a lot of customers for very low dollars, and it ended up being you know, a big support challenge for me. So from that perspective, um, you know, I was saying that, you know, I chose to sell my to sell my company at that time and combine it with the other competitor. So it was a win for both of us. But I often wonder, you know, had I raised my prices at that time and actually created a sustainable model, what would have happened differently at that point? You know, and that was a long time ago, you know, better than 20 years. And so I don't know the answer to that. But I have to say that, you know, what they decided to do was to create a sustainable model. And yes, I realized that uh, some people are going to be shocked about the price increase and it was unexpected and it wasn't warned and there were some, some issues around that. But like he said in there, and he mentioned this at Pressnomics last year when I was there, you know, that you get really burned out. And there are many times you just want to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And if that is the business environment that you're living in and operating in, um, you could easily choose to discontinue the product. So what I wrote in my comment was, you know, I wonder what kind of outrage there'd be if they had just said, it's, we're going to discontinue easy digital downloads instead of, you know, making it sustainable. Um, so I'm in favor of it. I realize that, you know, there are going to be people that don't, didn't budget for it, don't, didn't plan on it costing this much. But I think in the end, if you do not have, if, if we're, you know, we go to work every day, if it isn't sustainable, and you're not happy with what you're doing, then what is the whole reason we're doing any of this for? So my perspective may be, you know, different than a lot, and there, a lot of the people's perspective is very different. But I was looking at it from my perspective as a software developer back when I was selling a product versus a customer. And I am a customer of EDD, I am going to renew. Um, and I, th I think that, uh, you know, I want to support a sustainable WordPress community. So that's my answer. Yep. No, well said. Well said. Sustainability is really everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a customer of, of Pippins too, as is Jonathan. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, clients on Restrict Content Pro, which I use quite extensively. But it, it, my thoughts are... Um, a lot of this stems from the WordPress economy giving the illusion that everything should be free or like really low priced. And as you know, in proprietary software or even in other open source communities like Drupal, they have figured out a way to position software at you know, an acceptable price to where things are sustainable. And I think that is something that the WordPress economy has, has really struggled with. Uh, and, and when it comes to that, if you're a digital creator and you're using something like EDD to run your store and you can't afford a yearly license of 200 or $249, then perhaps you don't have a real business, as Curtis McHale might say. You don't have a business. You have, an, uh, you have a hobby. Uh, Sally, thoughts on this article? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I the uh, I, I like the comment about you have a hobby. It it amazes me about how people are are reluctant to pay for things that will make them money. I, I mean, I, it makes perfect sense to be reluctant to pay for something that isn't going to make you money, and then you know perhaps you don't need to have it. But uh, <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're not making enough from your store to 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 cover that cost, yeah, I don't think it's a very successful store. Um, and, you know, support is the big thing. And this is, you know, this is partly why some of the, uh, some of the free plugins in the repo end up abandoned because, you know, they were created by somebody who wasn't terribly busy at the time. And then, uh, you know, they like graduated and got a job and suddenly they didn't have so much time and they couldn't keep up with the support. 
You know, support is, is absolutely the biggest cost in software. And, uh, you know, and, and particularly in software for end users. Um, you know, Pippin and, and Brad Tuinard from um, Delicious Brains have a podcast together, and, and I've heard them talk about this before. And Delicious Brains makes plugins for developers. And uh, they don't get a ton of support requests. Uh, and, um, you know, but uh, EDD and, and Pippin's other things are, are mainly meant for end users. And they just have less basic understanding of how to use something. And then, you know, we've heard Pippin talk about, well, and we get all these support requests related to, you know, people who are using page builders that interfere with, you know, the way Restrict Content Pro works or something like that, where they, you know, the problem is, it, it, the problem is not in their software. It's not like it's a bug they can fix. Um, and, you know, whenever I have raised my rates, uh, you know, the, the, the clients that drop out are usually the ones who were the most trouble, right? Because somehow you end up in a situation where the people who pay you least expect the most. Uh, and so it's going to upset some people, but I think it's going to achieve, you know, what it's meant to achieve, which is to keep them all happy working on the product. No, you got to take care of your team. Otherwise, you're not going to have a sustainable product. And something that you said that I want to key in on is, uh, the people that, that drop out are that, that think that, you know, a hundred dollars is too much for something that their business runs on. If they drop out, then not only do you have less support requests, but you're, you know, you're not losing any money. Um, you're spending less on support and your team morale goes up because, you're not dealing with the people that want to build Facebook for, you know, 200 bucks. Uh, Jonathan, thoughts on this article? Oh, before that, I want to say, John, I love GoDaddy, and it's great hosting. I've never been frustrated for their technical support ever, John. To get back to the story, it was, it was a fantastic um, post, and uh, I read it quite extensively last night. And Pippin's a great guy. He came on the show a couple of years ago. I'm going to have to try and get him back if he can spare some time from the, the support. From the support, but he's probably got more time now. Uh, um, um, he was in a difficult situation, wasn't it? You know, um, he's a he's an extremely rational individual. So you could tell that he he was really struggling because there was no totally black and white answer and as a as a uh, you know a very quality um, programmer he looks for a kind of the perfect answer but this is business and this is just dirty isn't it it's gray um but he had to do something didn't he john it wasn't sustainable it was um you know was he like doing six hundred and fifty thousand dollars and they were making like and you take out all the expenses and that. I don't think there was a lot left, was there? Um, um, I also think it's cultural. Um, I think um, I think some of the responsibility. Well, responsibility. That's. A, I think it's. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say it's cultural. Is you know this, which you touched on about. I love. Uh, open source communities you know I was involved a little bit with expression engine and you know which is a hybrid you know it's not really uh, open source it's owned by Alice Labs and it was owned by Alice Labs and um, you had to pay f um, for a license of expression engine it wasn't ridiculous ridiculously expensive but then the plugins weren't cheap um they were well coded and they were well um and there weren't many there were some free plugins but not that many they were mostly premier premium plugins you had to buy and they certainly weren't cheap um 
So it depends on community. I think there are some cultural things, but this has also been one of the factors that I think it's been encouraged, John, because it's also been a factor that's enabled WordPress to grow so quickly and take market share, John. Actually, you know what? You were reading my mind uh, because that's the exact conclusion that I was coming to is a lot of the reason why WordPress has 27% market share of, of all websites on the web is because the barrier to making a site is so low. You can download WordPress for free. You can grab a bunch of plugins from the repo for free. There's free themes. Um, you know, if you want something a little bit more uh, professional, you could grab a $59 theme from theme forest, even though it's probably, uh, bloated as hell, uh, but, but the barrier to entry is so low to, to building a website that that's a big part of the reason is there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers. There is a lot of people that are kind of theme customizers or uh, what Tom McFarlane would call implementers that are that are offering services, which is fine, but um, that that's a lot of the growth. But a lot of what you were saying is true. It's fostered this thought that everything should be free or if it's not free, it should not cost very much. And if you're asking us to pay, uh, you know, anything at all, then, oh my God, you know, I can't do that. Um, and, and that's not reality. Even these free plugins in the, in the uh, repo, somebody has to code those. Somebody has to maintain those and support those. There is a cost. It costs somebody's time and that's time that they are not, uh, you know, earning a living somewhere else. So there is a cost in open source software, and that's something we need to recognize and, and maybe, uh, you know, reconcile that. Well, fact. you know, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... Yeah, go. You know, the, you know, like Matt from the Matt Report, other leading voices in the WordPress community have been saying for quite a while that something's got to change. And um, they've just been blanked off. You know, I, I don't think their input has been listened to and for various reasons, probably not most things go around money, really. It doesn't suit the top echelon of the WordPress, whatever you want to call it, to listen to those voices. But um, I, think things, I think there is going to be a big shakeout because if Pippin Williams and... Um, with his background and he's no and he's well known in the WordPress community, and he's a quality individual. If he is struggling with a very popular plugin, with a stable of very popular plugins that he has, and I I, I use his plugin from um, WP Tonic's affiliate system. Mm -hmm. um, if he's struggling like that, it really just shows you that things are really going to have to change, aren't they, John? Yeah, well, definitely. And EDD was the one that, that needed, they needed to bump up the price because uh, it was, it, it, you know, it was not in line like with the support requests that they were getting from it. And that one was the sharpest percentage increase. Uh, but it, it, the thing is, you have to have a sustainable business and that means being able to support it. If that means raising the prices and ma or making a price adjustment to where you can support that product in perpetuity, uh, perpetuity, <laughs> perpetuity. Thank you. There you go. Our English major. <laughs> oh goodness, yes, but yeah. If you if you want to go on sustaining your product and supporting it, I mean, sometimes you have to make those adjustments. Um, Anyway, I think we're uh, pressed on uh, time here with the story, so we're going to go ahead and go to our break, and then we're going to uh, come back with our main topic, which is the most essential, most uh, badass e-commerce plugins that, that you should have for WordPress. See you after the break. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. 
WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break and we're talking our main topic, uh, you know, the e-commerce plugins that you must have, uh, most essential ones that you're going to need for WordPress. Uh, I, I think any discussion has to start with WooCommerce. Um, th- that seems to uh, be the one that not only is the deepest reach, but kind of has the biggest ecosystem around it as as far as extensibility, uh, add-ons, and, and things of that nature. Um, WooCommerce can handle a lot of things, uh, including um, handling like physical goods or you know digital goods, though perhaps it's not the best tool for strictly digital downloads. But um, I want to ask the, the panel, what are you know some of the... Um, things that you like about WooCommerce, any extensions, any add-ons that you have found useful for that? Jackie. Okay. Well, can I start off just talking about something related to this first? Absolutely. Just to kind of give some perspective. And it goes back to what we were talking about the other day uh, about how difficult it can be for people to sort out what plugins to use, what they need, And I think it rolls back to a problem that I've noticed with both, say, Easy Digital Downloads and the WooCommerce site, right? So you go there. If you are a developer, you already have interviewed your client. You know what what functionality they need, right? If you're an end user, you may not have figured that out. And when you get there, you have no guide. Neither one do. And I think that it's definitely something that should be there. Something where you can have a grid where you check off functionality that you need for your e-commerce site. And then as you do that, it gives you the list of things that you're going to need to run that site and provide that functionality. Because I think many of us have learned the hard way about building out an e-commerce site and then you realize client goes, well, how do I update the shipping and the tracking number? Oh, well, you need another plugin for that. And then how do I get the PDF copy of this to print out? Oh, you need a plugin for that. And I think having some type of walkthrough in the beginning about what your needs are for your site. Are you shipping physical goods? Are you, you know, using one of the one of the shipping companies to do this? Are you do you want to be able to email tracking numbers to your customers? Things like this that you would just go through and then it would say for this configuration, here's what we would recommend as far as plugins go. I think they would do a lot better selling the plugins and matching up people who actually needed them with the support that they would need if that was simpler. I think that both of them are built for developers to visit, but a lot of the customers that are going there and purchasing these things are end users trying to build their e-commerce sites themselves. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is um, on those. So just wanted to share my perspective on that and just say, I think um, both of them need a simplified way of packaging up what you need. You know, they have these all-in-one packages, like this includes all these plugins, this includes those, but it's not necessarily built for what a specific customer's needs are. And it is also a great way to audit what you're going to need, right? So you're going through and you're saying, do I need to provide a tracking number? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Do I want my store to be able to do this? Do you see a need in the future for your store doing this or, or you know, as you grow? And then that can help you better plan, number one, what framework you want to use and then what plugins you're going to need for it and what, you're, what kind of a budget you're going to have for putting this all together. No, I think you're making some excellent points here. Um, before and that's a true fact like before you even decide on what plugins you're going to use you do need to have that discovery discussion where you're pinpointing exactly how the operations are going to look backstage to where you can determine 
you know, hey, here's, you know, these plugins that might support that. Let's look at all the requirements that you're going to need to support and then let's see what's left and then, you know, make a determination. And, yeah. and definitely. Yeah, um, and I just want to point out, it's not only a, a WordPress WooCommerce um, aspect that, Jackie's pointing out if you if you've done any, any extensive work with Shopify, which is a great hosted platform, that they have a ton. They have their own and a very active third-party um, um, directory of of plugins, extra services. And you, my experience with Shopify is really quite 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 easy to get into a very similar situation that Jackie's pointed out with WooCommerce. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very true. It's, you know, any discussion around that is you have to start with, you know, finding out how this is, is going to work, you know, on in the physical space. Like, how are you going to, uh, you know, get these orders and, and what do you want to have? What sort of, you know, uh, tracking numbers or SKUs are you going to have? Who are you going to ship through? Uh, what kind of payment gateways, uh, you know, are acceptable to you? Uh, you know, all these things need to be discussed. Shipping is a big one. Um, we ran like a small e-commerce uh, thing over here for uh, a while. And, and, and shipping is, is a big concern. Uh, being able to track SKUs, a lot of the customers that I work with, SKUs are a big thing. Because uh, don't forget the taxes. Oh, in taxes, yeah, yes. that's true. That's very, very true. Um, you know, every state deals with taxes differently. So, depending on what state you live in, uh, you could either get charged. You either have to charge where it's shipping to, or you're charged by where your uh, base of operations is. So, yeah, uh, those are all good things to know. And and it's exactly, what, there are some states that charge tax on shipping cost versus some states that don't. So you need to know in your own state, like in Texas, the shipping charge is taxable. So when I ran my e-commerce business, you know, uh, and I would have questions from people that were not from Texas that would say, well, why is the shipping taxed? And it's like, well, in Texas it is, you know, and so you have to, you, there's, it's a very complex topic. And like we were saying, it's not something for a hobby. It's, it's really, if you're going to do it, you need to have a budget, you need to prepare, you need to know what functionality it is you need, and then go find the best plugins that will provide that. And granted, it's not easy to do on your own, uh, whether you're a developer or you're an end user. It's, sometimes it you know, takes a while to sort that out. Now, if you specialize in building e-commerce sites, like you know, if you're a WooCommerce expert and that's all you do every day, it's going to be a lot easier for you to help somebody sort out the yes and no's of what it is that they're going to need. Um, so, but it's, you know, for a basic WooCommerce site, you know, you, you definitely need a payment gateway. Um, you need to be able, if you're shipping physical goods, you need a way to ship that. And you probably need a way to put the tracking numbers in there at the very least. So, you know, you're going to need those plugins um, to hook that up. Yeah, I think in a way that the whole ecosystem of, <clears throat> of both the e-commerce plugins themselves and the extensions for them uh, is predicated on the assumption that like you know you already know everything you need to know about uh, having a, a, a store or a product business and you know if you have a physical store then you've probably arranged a lot of these things you know how you have to handle taxes you may be know mainly about how you have to handle the the local ones uh because you know you're you might be only selling to the people who come into your store uh, but you know you know that you need uh you know a, a seller's permit um from the government you know that you know when you have to <coughs> send those sales taxes in um you already have some kind of a you know, merchant service uh, provider payment processor because you're taking payments. You have, and so, you know, if you are coming from that background and you go look at the <coughs> list of, of WooCommerce extensions or uh, Shopify extensions, then 
you'll understand, right? Okay, so I know I need a you know a, a thing for taxes, and I know I I ship through these two people, and so you know I I need the the you know the UPS and the USPS uh, calculators, uh, or you know I I know I need the the tax add-in. Um, but in a lot of cases, people have just got this idea of here. Um, that's the, uh, you know, oh, I had this idea to sell something. And, you know, then what? Because it's, you know, I read some article recently about, um, like, you know, setting up your e-commerce store in four minutes or, or whatever it was. And that uh, doesn't work so so well because unless you've got all that information down about exactly what you need, and you know, oh, it, it, I'm selling a T-shirt. Well, how many sizes? Does it come in different colors? Uh, you know, it, it, are, are there discounts for you know if you buy a bunch of them at once? Um, figuring out all that stuff is is hard work, and people tend to not do it before they dive in. No, definitely. Um... You know, all those things definitely need to be discovered, uh, you know, beforehand. Um, and then when you get down to, uh, you know, choosing the payment gateways, um, determining the shipping, and it comes to putting the nuts and bolts together, uh, you know, it's, it's determining uh, what kind of, what platform you're going to go with. Uh, some of the ones that... Um, I've encountered before, and of course, WooCommerce, I've done the majority of, of e-commerce sites on that. I've had a little bit of experience with uh, iThemes Exchange, which is, is kind of an interesting one. It's, it also has a bunch of extensions, but uh, it's more of a hybrid for physical and digital goods, uh, and definitely worth checking out. Um, the... WP e-commerce one is is kind of a uh, uh, bare bones e-commerce one. I have not experienced that one at all, but uh, is one that comes up in conversation a lot. And an, another one that is perfect if you are only selling downloadable or digital goods would be easy digital downloads. Um, but but the one that I can really speak to the most is is kind of WooCommerce. And, and when it comes to those, um, I know that we had a link in Slack uh, that had some plugins here that was 20 must-have uh, WooCommerce plugins. Some of these ones that, that I've, I've seen on this list aren't being actively supported, so definitely, you know, uh, be careful. Uh, analyze, like, which ones you're using uh, and one of, one of the ones on this list that, that would seem uh, pretty useful would be the, uh, the uh, WooCommerce social login. Uh, that one is, uh, you can actually log in with Facebook or Twitter or Google. I haven't used this one. Has, has anybody encountered this one? No? No. No. <laughs> okay. You go well, I, I'm just gonna. You know what? I'm gonna. Well, let's go. Let's move forward. Well, I've, I, I didn't. Um, what about languages? Because um, the last one I did, um, and time flies, folks, was almost two years ago. That a really big e-commerce job, and they wanted it in Spanish, Portuguese, and English. Everything, and it was quite a large e-commerce project. And um, we couldn't, uh, we didn't actually, shock horror folks, we didn't actually utilize um, WordPress. We utilized some other system, which I won't mention, and we got the job done, but it was um, a bit of a nightmare. So what, what's the support like and the plug-in territory around if you wanted a, a multilingual website, e WooCommerce, John? So when it comes to uh, WooCommerce, they have like a lot of translation strings. I would recommend if, if you're going to 
tackle something that's multi-language, um, I would either use something like Polylang or I would use, uh, you know, I, I would look at integration with the uh, WPML, the multi-language. Uh, but one of those two usually uh, suffices because there's two ways you can go with a multi-language site. And, and, but usually you're setting up, you know, like a whole separate site that is in that language. Uh, that would be using like WPML. That, that would be what you would use. Uh, now, if you just need to translate strings and, and have it determine what the, the language is by, you know, the country that they're in, you could use something like Polylang. Uh, if you just need to change like individual strings, uh, you could use something like Say What. Uh, and I'll link all those up in show notes. But yeah, definitely either, probably either like WPML or um, Polylang would be something that I would look at first. Yeah, one one of the plugins on that list is a, a basically a connector for WooCommerce and WPML. Very good. That's great. So the other thing is um, gateways, you know, um, and um, people are not aware, um, like it's linked to what Jackie said, that um, that WooCommerce out the box only supports PayPal. Is that that's correct? And um, what are some of the better um, gateway plugins that you work with, folks, that um, work well with WooCommerce? Well, I'll, I will jump in and say yes, that like PayPal is supported out, out of the box. Um, but the Stripe extension is now free. Yes. So and there was always an alternative Stripe extension that was free. So, yeah, and I'd rather work with Stripe than with PayPal any day. That's not true of all my clients, but um. PayPal seems the uh, you know the easiest, I guess, for people that don't want to have a merchant account or do anything along those lines. But I I think Stripe is probably the best way to go if you're going to have a small uh, you know to medium e-commerce business and you're using WooCommerce. I think Stripe works really well for that. Mm. I use it even with these easy digital downloads. So my store for my support and technical support and things like that with clients, um, I'm using easy digital downloads and I'm using Stripe, the Stripe for that as well. And that works really smoothly. I, I don't have any problems with that. On the WooCommerce side, some of the plugins I've used for for folks that want to ship products, as you know, there's a there's a nice uh, UPS shipping calculator plugin that will uh, help you because some of the things people need to think about when you're shipping is how many things can fit in a box. So, and I learned this when I was doing my e-commerce business, because we were shipping lots of products here, some of them were lots of different sizes, and it was difficult to calculate a shipping cost because one thing may have to ship in a completely separate box, and there's like a minimum charge to ship that item, and if it's going across the country, well, you know, you're, you could be eating up a lot of shipping costs um, that you're going to have to pay for, especially if you're doing free shipping over X amount of dollars, which is pretty common for a lot of sites, you know. So something like a, a, a UPS or a FedEx shipping calculator that can take the dimensions of products and the weights of products and um, approximate how many of those are going to fit in a box is really helpful. Um, of course, the shipment tracking for WooCommerce is a good extension that's very helpful for being able to provide a link to your customers with uh, so they can get a status on the tracking number and where their where their delivery is and then maybe printing invoices and packing slips we've used that too um, to be able to uh, facilitate that in the dashboard to be able to print that out and that was a perfect example of the client comes back later and goes, well, where do I do this at? And you're like, okay, that's not built into the functionality. You have to get a plugin for this. And it would have been really nice. I hate to harp on this, but it would have been really nice to have a checklist in the beginning that says, what functionality are you going to need for your store? I mean, it's so simple. And I, I can't believe that nobody has thought of it or has implemented it yet. And I just I scratched my head on that. I was like, oh, yeah, that is no, such I an easy win. Yes, it seems it seems like it would be a, a good idea. I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know how easy, if you look at the large number of WooCommerce extensions and so on, you know, it's, somebody does have to think a lot about how to create that questionnaire. In which yeah, no, no, it wouldn't be, work. I'm not saying it would be easy to do it, but it would make things so easy for the customer. That it would, the user it would make, experience would oh, be yeah, way no, better. It would be a huge improvement, and I, I, I think it's a great suggestion. Um, so I, I've used some of the plugins on on. Uh, on Jackie's list, and I, I agree. I mean, I recently had to update somebody's um, USPS uh, uh, shipping calculator plugin, and the, the reason it was a pain to update was because now you have to connect to your WooCommerce account with your WordPress.com credentials, and so you know, and this was for my client's account, right? It's not my, and th that was really a big pain in the patootie to to do. And then you know, I was able to to. To, to download the update, and I'm like, oh, hey, I hadn't noticed that it does like this calculating, a, you know, you choose like boxes, and it will calculate like what you can put in that box. That's that's pretty clever. And, you know, and the client asked me about, um, you know, basically adding on to, to shipping charges, and I said, yeah, okay, here, you know, screenshot, here's where you can add in the like additional handling charge that you need to include in your shipping on, on top of just the, the cost of the stamp. Cause yeah, you got to spend time actually putting the stuff in the box uh, and maybe like, you know, getting the boxes uh, and uh, you know, taping them up and that kind of stuff. And, and that's why, you know, you, you've got shipping and handling charges. And I, I think in California, the handling charge is taxable and the shipping charge is not, I, I can't remember offhand. Um, so yeah, definitely the uh, those plugins uh, are good. Uh, there's a uh, connector for um, Gravity Forms that lets you that you can use for a you know sort of elaborate build your own in in a way to create something like Jackie's talking about for for purchasing extensions. You know where you can where you're configuring something. And if you've ever bought a computer online, you know you know they have a, a, a setup like this. Choose your specs, and then it you know adds X or subtracts Y, or you know, and you come out with your configuration and your and your final price. Um, and uh, there was a product customizer plugin that I used on one client's site for uh, um, basically what she wanted to do was let people kind of mix and match from a choice of different card designs to create a, a complete box of cards. And it's, it's called something like product customizer for WooCommerce. I'll log into her site and look it up. It was one of those, you know, uh, Code Canyon kinds of things. Um, and uh, you know, so so sometimes it's a you know it's a fairly small plugin you want where somebody can like add their uh, their gift message and there there are some free extensions for WooCommerce that are in the the WordPress repo and some of them uh, work. There's one I looked at recently called Registrations uh, for WooCommerce, where it will help you set something up so that you know you don't actually need a, an event plugin. You can just set up a product as a registration type product and then it says you know here are your available dates or, or time slots um, and uh, you know since the same uh, client uh, does you know webinars and and classes sometimes uh, you know that seemed like a, a good thing to be able to for her to be able to use Definitely, the um, those those are all really good uh, tips. The the one that you're thinking of, Sally, where there's a, a Gravity Forms add-on, it's it's called WooCommerce Gravity Forms product add-ons. I've actually used that before uh, on projects, and and definitely, it's a way for you to add kind of uh, modifications to a product or or add-ons to uh, a particular product. Uh, I use it for a uh, believe it or not, like a bakery slash coffee shop in this area before. Very, very useful. Uh, some of the other ones that I've run into that are useful and hearkening back to what Jackie said about, it would be useful to have a list of, you know, what people are going to need when it comes to product modification. A lot of that stuff seems to evolve or they seem to think of it 
you know, as time goes on, like, hey, it would be nice if we could do this. Um, what, one of the things uh, that I have with the current client is they have certain products where we want to offer this, but you know, only if they buy so many, like there's a minimum amount that they have to buy. And um, for that, there's a... There's, Hello, hello. Mm-hmm. There's a product. There's a product called uh, WooCommerce MinMax Quantities, where you can set like minimums, minimums and maximums of uh, how many products are allowed to buy. Another one that I have found very useful uh, that I've used on a couple of clients is uh, WooCommerce Bulk Discount, and I want to say this one's in the repo, but. This one, basically, you can set it to where there's either like a dollar uh, discount or a percentage discount, depending on like how many items they put in the cart. So if you want to give people a discount, say if they put like 10 items, uh, there is they buy 10 in one product, and you want to give them like a 10% discount, like after that, you could use this plugin to do that. Um, another one that I've used before is WooCommerce Tab Manager. And that one uh, allows you to modify your uh, product screen. Because normally there's like a product description and then there's your reviews. Uh, but this allows you to either take out those tabs or add new tabs. So you can do like a lot of like different things with that. You can You can have like all sorts of different tabs there. Uh, and that can come in handy sometimes. And last one I want to mention just in this little um, run here is one, I believe this is by Shop Plugins, Daniel Espinoza. This one's called Advanced Fees for WooCommerce. And where this comes in handy is, say you have a product that you sell, and uh, again, this harkens back to you. Uh, I have a guy who sells like plastic uh, moldings and, and casings and displays and stuff like that. And he has like a promotional item that the different stores can buy, but they have to cast a plastic mold. And so it's like, we want to sell this, but tack on a fee, like a one-time fee for, you know, making the mold for them. Um, and so with this plugin, advanced fees for WooCommerce, you can add like a one-time fee to any product say if it's you can make a rule to where it's if this item is in the cart then add like this fee so it makes it really easy to do these things where woocommerce can't do them out of the box but plugins do exist to be able to to do these things for you that's the beauty of the whole plugin market because uh, you know we were talking this week earlier about you know hosted solutions for e-commerce and how that can really be an easy option for most people if you're, you know, if your needs are pretty basic um, because you can really focus on running your business instead of configuring the website and getting your SSL and all the other parts that keep moving around that you have to try to put together. But if you want a customized solution, right, and the, this, the beauty of this is, is that you can easily find the pieces or build the pieces and there's plenty of hooks and filters and things to, to do this yourself if you, or if you were hiring a development team to build you an e-commerce site. That's really um, one of the advantages, I think, is, is that folks like Daniel Espinoza can you know, write some of these really cool plugins that can provide that functionality and then somebody else can hook those in. That you're not going to have on a hosted solution. So when you are doing your research to figure out what it is you need, um, those are some questions you might be asking yourself is, um, you know, are you going to be more of an out-of-the-box kind of a store and review the functionality that's there? It goes back to what we were just saying is, you know, what is your list? Do you need gift card? Do you need to be able to offer gift wrapping? And are you going to charge for it? And do you need to, do you want to take gift cards? And, you know, all of these things need to be mapped out so that you can figure out what is the best solution and what framework and what plugins you're going to need, or should you go with a hosted solution? Yeah, I think that's great. I just want to ask the panel, um, you know, lately, um, what another thing that 
in my experience comes up quite often is integration with their their accountancy systems um namely a lot of the time quickbooks um has that come up and are there any decent solutions at the present moment for integrating specifically woocommerce with let's say quickbooks uh, there are solutions decent um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, I had a, a client for a little while where, yeah, that, that export to QuickBooks functionality was critical and the, the solution she was using for it, I was um, underwhelmed by, first of all, uh, you know, the interface for, for their actual system looked like it was, you know, it, it kind of harked back to Windows 3.1. Um, it, it was really it, it clunky um, and, you know, you had to set up uh, an API endpoint within WooCommerce. And then um, if you used Cloudflare, it totally broke. Um, and so, you know, it was annoying, but uh, when it was working, it did actually, you know, it, it would pull in your, your orders to um, QuickBooks Online. And there are a couple of other uh, products like that that I have not tried that uh, looked like they might be an improvement over it. Yeah, there's there's the the, the three that are uh, coming like right up at the top here. Uh, there's, you know, QuickBooks Online with WooCommerce, which is like a QuickBooks app. That might be what you're describing. Um, but WooCommerce also has a QuickBooks Online integration a guide or this is a product and it kind of shows you like step-by-step step how to do it. Uh, that might be the same thing actually. Um, but Zapier also has uh, a recipe for connecting QuickBooks and WooCommerce. There's probably no super elegant solution to this. There are ways to do it. Are they the best? Are they the most elegant and painless? Probably not. So, you know, if, if that is a task that you're getting challenged with, uh, be sure to, you know, budget your time and resources accordingly for that. Because I always think, um, I always found clients were totally godsmacked that there wasn't, they almost expected that there would be, and it's understandable. You, um, I understand that it's not, it's kind of business reasons why this has never happened. They're a bit, they look at you a bit strange but when you explain there isn't an elegant, easy way to get um, their um, accounts out of their WooCommerce solution into QuickBooks. Well, yeah, I mean, and like I said, like, and I think that's expectation with software and, and maybe that's just the expectation is everything is easy and there's always a solution that's, just quick and painless and you know it's just not always the case so i don't know why anybody would expect that from any software ever <laughs> it's just true so true That's what do you reckon john do you do you think we should wrap this show up well i think we can have some extensive show notes folks and we've gone through a few plugins haven't we john yeah, we and definitely we could go on and on. I mean, and most of the focus is on WooCommerce, but definitely, you know, if if like I said, if give iThemes Exchange a look if you're dealing in both digital and uh, physical goods. If you're just selling digital downloads, look at Easy Digital Downloads. Uh, if you're doing primarily physical goods, then then WooCommerce is probably a good bet for you. Um, but definitely, you know, we could go on and on uh, with extensions just uh, for, for each of these, for sure. Uh, so the next episode that we're going to have, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Jonathan Courtney. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. He's a UX designer, so be sure to tune in for that one. Uh, Everybody, uh, how do we find you and uh, what do you want to promote, uh, Jackie? You can find me on Twitter at jdelia or on my website at jackiedelia.com. And next month, uh, Rethink Season 2 will start. So you can check out new episodes coming up on rethink.fm. Excellent. Uh, Sally, anything you want to promote and how do we find you? 
Uh, you can find me at wpfangirl.com or I am at Sally Getch on uh, Twitter and you can check out the East Bay WordPress meetup at eastbaywp.com. I'm going to be upgrading the theme and integrating the free copy of uh, Event Aggregator that uh, Modern Tribe offers to meetup groups. Wow. Very good, very good. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, before that, I just love GoDaddy, folks. <laughs> and, uh, I think they're the greatest hosting provider I ever thought of for their technical support. I never, I take anything, anything that I've ever said against GoDaddy. Newsflash, was, GoDaddy acquires WP Tonic. <laughs> not in, yeah. my yeah. dream, in my dreams. I take it all back. I was a sinner and uh, I've reformed my ways, folks. But if you serious, um, you can get a hold of me, John, on Twitter uh, at Jonathan Denwood. Or you can email me at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. Excellent. And you can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore, and my Facebook page is facebook.com slash lockdowndesign. For the WP Tonic Posse, we're saying peace out and join us each Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, if you want to ask us a question live. There you go. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.